You weren't stupid. I was. No, you weren't. You don't remember what you were like. What was I like? You were headstrong. Determined. Wise beyond her years. No. Yes. Yes. You were so impatient. Sick of being treated like a child. That's what children say. Hello, listening people. Hello. You're listening to Spin Posh Presents Pictures Powwow. I am one of your hosts, Ryan Swinski. And I am Bartek, the other host. Bartek, pleasure to see you again. Not, no, we're, we're not seeing each other. We're under quarantine. Oh, yeah, we're under quarantine. Soz, soz. That reminds me, I was on the phone to my mother just before. Were you 1.5 metres apart? Of course. Okay. From the phone. Yeah. <laughs> and um, didn't even happen on loudspeaker. I've just got good hearing. Mm. And she said to me, is it appropriate in this crisis to have your show make jokes about spitting? Because you're spitting Polish likingly because you're always spitting and you both happen to be Polish. We're not I mean, spitting on people, but yeah. Well, they don't know that. Oh, that's true. They don't know that. I mean, some people might be coming into this podcast thinking two things with our title. One, that we're some fetish gay podcast called Spit and Polish. And Sam or, Langsford says so, yes. Sam Langsford, our gay fetish friend, said that. Or that we are being insensitive in this time of need of this killer virus that's killing us all. And just to be clear, it's not because we're both Polish, it's because after we spit, we polish the spit into every surface. Well, no, 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 we polish it into people's faces with our Mm. bare hands, into their eyes and noses and mouths, of course. Yes, I mean, how many people have made jokes about licking more surfaces now that the things happened and we haven't We also like to spit into open wounds. That's a thing too. Um, So this is not the spit... Bit, no. Can I just say, this idea has never crossed my mind. Like, is our name <laughs> insensitive? No, 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 it isn't. But your, talking your, your about... Your mum's ahead of the curve. Talk about being insensitive. We do a movie podcast, <laughs> which is very insensitive to the people who don't. And we are doing our show, Pictures Powwow, our weekly show in which we talk about a movie that has come recommended, whether that recommendation is from myself, from Bartek, or from you, the listening people, because we do take suggestions from our listeners. Yes, every three weeks. Every three weeks. What is the name of that actor who plays Lupin in the Harry Potter movies? Because oh. doesn't he have a name that sounds like what you just mangled there? I've Does he have his... a name like David Thwaites or something or other like that? I know his first name is like a D name, isn't it? Deanie Thwaites. Thwaites. Every three weeks. Every three weeks. We are doing that show. We are doing a recommendation that came from you, Bartek. Yes, that's so true. walk us through what you recommended and let the people know if they haven't seen it before, all that nonsense. Yes, well, uh, the film that I have recommended for this episode is from the hall of films I've seen with my mama in the cinema. Yeah, Bartek has a system in place in which he chooses one time when it's his choice, he chooses a foreign film, and then the other time he chooses films that are from the West and those usually fall into films you've seen with your mum. Yeah, I've specifically I choose like American films for the West ones, because you know, that's the most common Good place job we you chose films. this British film. <laughs> I, forgot, I was gonna say, when I was watching the film, I'm like, there are no American accents in this film. And all these 
companies that are like Scottish Film Presents or something. Yeah, I, I know. know. I was surprised because Wikipedia said that it's a joint US UK Canadian production. I could tell. Yeah, I could. So what's certainly the film tell. Again? Uh, This film that I saw with my mama at one point is Una or Una. Sorry, Una. <laughs> You know, I think I think someone very early in the film pronounced it Una, and I'm like, oh my god, did I get it wrong? But then everyone else just called it Una. Let's say it's Riz Ahmed did it, because <laughs> he's one of the three characters I know in the film. Yeah, uh, Una from 2016. Yes, uh, it is a film that we'll be talking about in depth. So if you have not had the chance to watch this film before listening to this episode, do give it a watch because we are going to be talking about it in depth so uh give it a watch uh like i said at the end of the last episode it deals with some what some heavy topics so if you're worried about those kind of things yeah, look it, ahead if you want but ba- basically uh, just to get out of the way it's the distant aftermath to child abuse sexual abuse so yeah so it deals with that kind of stuff uh, so Bartek, you saw this film with your mummy. Yeah, must have been a fun discussion afterwards on the way home. Huh? We, we both liked it. Yeah, <laughs> you were both like, yeah. Yeah, we saw it at the, I believe it was the Palace Cinema in Brighton. Ooh. We don't go there very often. It was very it's nice. a bit of a bit of a distance for you. Yeah, well, she drove, so that's fine. <laughs> <laughs> Why did you go all the way there? Like that's a bit Some... of a distance, even for a drive. Uh, not really for us. Um. I think it was one of the only cinemas that was playing the film at the time. So you we very occasionally went out of your way to see it. Yeah, I mean, most of the times when I see a film with my mum, it's my mum invites me, and I don't know the film, but I always say yes because you know I like seeing films. So I should have her as the co-host then, because <laughs> she seems to know reasons as to why you saw films other than just I asked them to. So your mum went out of her way to find this and watch this. Do you know why? You know, that's a good question. I'm curious about where she heard it from. Is she a... F- like, I'm asking you and knowing you won't have necessarily an answer, but I'm like, what is the go here? Like, is your mum a huge Ben Mendelsohn fan, a Rooney Mara fan? Because this isn't from a director or a writer that's I, I know that got she... a prolific work their first time is or it's adapted from a stage show. She I just mean... somehow hears about films that aren't, you know, super heavily promoted. Mm. And, you know, a lot of them are foreign films, and sometimes she knows what cinemas are playing them. So occasionally, not very often, we end up going to, like, the Palace Cinema in Brighton or this cinema in Elstonwick, very close to the station. Nice. We haven't gone to both of them in a while and even And nor will you again. (laughs) (laughs) Or very often. But every time we do go there, it's for something a little, you know, that I haven't even heard of, usually. Nice. So, from what you said, it sounds like you enjoyed this the first time you saw it. Yes. Yes, I did. How was it this time around? Yeah, it was, it was an interesting revisit. There are little things that I forgot, little nuances, because this is a film that, I guess, wants you to think about the issues it brings it up without, like, a surface-level thing. Like, I know that every time I brought this film up to you, uh, you always ask me, oh, that's the film where Ben Mendelsohn's a pedophile, right? And I, <laughs> and I always think to myself, like, well... To just give a yes or no would be like doing a disservice to what the film discusses. So, having watched of... the film, I can say the answer is yes. By the way, mm. <laughs> yeah, but, but the film still tries to make you think about it, right? Yes. Yeah. But also, the film directly tells you. Mm. <laughs> Yet again, I don't think the word did the film ever use the word pedophile. No, no, no. It always like teases like one of those. One of you those. know, I'm not like that. Or I'm whatever. not like them. Yeah. Yeah, so you enjoyed it more or less this watching? I'd say about equal. About equal? Yeah. Okay. 
So, I had not seen this film before. I had heard about it. Bartek told me. I think he specifically told me, knowing that it would pique my interest in some way, because I'm a huge Ben Mendelsohn fan. I've always been very much like, hey, Ben Mendelsohn, yeah, this great actor. It's one guy. of those films where I've seen that you haven't, but it has something that you typically like. So I'm like, oh, this has that. I'm a huge Ben fan. I've known... I don't want to sound hipster, but... I, I liked Ben before he was in American films. Yeah, I'm that guy. I remember him from the days where he did things like Idiot Box and Cozzy. And yeah, yeah, I remember. I, I've known Ben before he did Rogue One. I know that he's played Rotten Bastards before that. But yeah, I've, I've, he's one of those actors that I've always enjoyed. I mentioned the Dark Knight Rises episode. It's always a pleasure to watch him uh flesh out his career and kind of climb the ladder of success because he spent a lot of his time here in Australia and I guess England too doing these kind of more smaller pieces I guess this kind of falls into that I have read yeah I think it is an independent film for sure and he does a lot of characterful works I mean he you know he plays certain types of characters he does them very very well and now he does them on bigger scales with stuff like Star Wars and although not a very good movie the Robin Hood movie it was like oh of course you would get him to play the Sheriff of Nottingham and stuff like that so I'm very keen I was very keen on seeing this movie because I heard the pitch of it which is you know this this victim of uh, of sexual abuse at a young age confronts the guy many years later and the guy's Ben Mendelsohn and he's kind of moved on with his life and you know he's making these excuses or making this rationale and and they're gonna butt heads and and I was very keen because I knew Ben would I, I knew 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 Ben would would carry the material because hmm. I've seen him in bad things and he just carries the material he's just one of those guys for me like maybe other people don't think this way but I do he's just one of those magnetic presences so I was really excited to watch this movie and I didn't like it okay I didn't like it Bartek I'm sorry I see his eyes are tearing up <laughs> no like, that's fine I'm always no, interested when don't you don't do like this film. to me no I'm fine it's fine before we get into fully that I've talked about Ben what do you think about Ben as a performer? You've seen him in a few things now. Yeah, just a few. Um, and uh, yeah, he always does a really good job. What about you, go Rooney Mara, the lead? Yeah, she she was fine. Una herself. Have you seen her in much? I f- maybe. I don't. Know, I, I've heard the name a lot. I just don't really remember everything I've seen her in. She was in the American adaptation of The Girl with the Dragon Tattoo. I haven't seen any of those films. She's not the original actress who's the one in Prometheus, but you can see why they hired her to be the American version of that actress. <laughs> was she in Pan? Yes. Yeah, she was in Pan. She she was the um, Native American representation for Pan. <laughs> <laughs> Rooney Mara. Um, I'm not a huge fan of Rooney Mara. Like, Here's the thing. I appreciate her. I'll say this. She is a great actress. Mm-hmm. She does a fantastic job in this film and things I have seen her in. And it's not the case of... I recently discussed on Deception, our episode on Deception, the Mystery Box episode, you should check it out, uh, unless you're a Les Mis fan. And uh, I discussed Ewan McGregor and Hugh Jackman. I think they're great actors, but they choose projects I'm not interested in. She chooses projects I'm interested in, but there's just something about Rooney Mara as a performer that distances myself from her just the coldness that she has in her characters um that i've seen and that includes this movie 
that puts me a, a, a bit of a further distance from the character than I think is intentional. In this movie, we are supposed to be a bit distant from her as a character. Yeah. Yet we are supposed to be in her shoes as well. Um, but I think sometimes that I've seen from her, there's just a little bit too much of a distance put there. And I don't know if it's her as a performer, as a performer or just the material that she is in. Um, but there's just that to be said. I don't know. I haven't seen Carol, which is the one that everyone says you should go see. The one with Kate Blanchett and Rooney Mara where they're lesbians in the 1950s, I want to say. Mm-hmm. That one's apparently very good. I haven't had the chance to see that, so maybe that would change my mind. But I've only seen her in very limited things. But for this movie, she's giving her giving it her all. She's, you know, she's crying. She's screaming. She's running in giant, giant heels. I noticed that a lot. So I was like, <laughs> they're huge. Huge heels because she's got to look at least like she's tall enough to stand next to Ben Mendelsohn. I was wondering, random detour. I wondered if Rooney Mara is shorter than the actress that played the younger version of her because <laughs> she's wearing these huge heels so that she can match her certain height with Ben Mendelsohn. But then when I noticed the younger version, she's not wearing heels and she kind of matches the same level of height as. Rooney Mara against Ben Mendelsohn. Like, I'm using Ben Mendelsohn as the measuring pole here. So I'm very curious to look up later. Well, surely Ben Mendelsohn grew in that time. (laughs) Well, he's a big guy. (laughs) For you. Uh, No, 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 no. The guy in the film was a big guy for someone else, and Ben Mendelsohn was in it. Um, Yeah, I was just curious. Like, I I was wondering, like, is she wearing these huge heels so that it's not so obvious that Rooney Mara is so much shorter than the younger version of the character? That would be hilarious. The younger version, she did a great job. Mm Mm-hmm. I'm giving my positives straight off the bat, Bartek. No, that's fine. That yeah. young actress looked exactly like a young Rooney Mara. I was like, is this a is this a part of the Mara family? It's like boyhood. It's like a boyhood. It took twelve years to make. Yeah. Because we know Kate Mara, the the other Mara sister, is an actress. She was famous for the Fantastic Four movie. You could tell when they did the reshoots because she wore a wig. <laughs> She's that one. That's what I know Kate Mara for. Mm. Um, yeah, this movie has a lot of interesting ideas going for it. So tell me what you like about this movie. What things really strike a chord with you when you first saw it and this time watching it? Yeah, I, I liked that the the film, like I said, didn't try to fall into into like the trap of, oh, this happened, so immediately this is the case. It actually mm. tries to make you, like, think about it, tries to make you see both sides. It's like when you mention that we're meant to be in Rudy Mara's shoes, I see it more like we're kind of jumping between the two main characters' shoes. Yeah, I agree with that. At a certain point, it gets to that. I think mm. for the majority, you're supposed to be with her. Yeah, for sure. The film opens on her, and it takes, like, yeah, 10, 15 minutes to get to him. But even when we get to him, it takes a little while for me to see when we're supposed to side, or not side with him, but understand where he's coming from. I think it comes to that point when they're hiding in that room, when they're looking for him and they're talking to each other. Yeah, he for for the most part, he plays between, like, you know, responding to her and trying to just end the whole thing. Yes, that's my boy Ben. Hmm. So you liked how it explored this kind of um, ambiguity of this yeah. very emotionally intense yeah, psychological for, situation. That, yeah, for, for a not, not so comfortable topic. Yeah, that usually when we see it in media like this, it's very much like 
black and white mm. a lot of the times where it's like this guy's a sexual predator there's nothing redeeming about him you can't have any sympathy or any kind of feelings or attachment for him and since she's the victim you you immediately have to feel sympathy for her this kind of logic i mean this isn't always the case with with these kind of stories i mean there's the movie l which takes the whole kind of rape abuse story in a very interesting direction. Yeah, you recommended that to me last week. I've been thinking about checking it out. It's amazing. Um, it's very polarizing, but it's amazing. But uh, yeah, like for the most part, it's usually when, you know, you have the, 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 the female character that has been a victim of sexual abuse and the male character that is the abuser. It's very much like good guy, bad guy. This is black and white kind of situation. While this kind of muddies up everything. Yeah. With everyone's intentions for what they're bringing into this conversation. Yeah, there, there's also this, like, fine line where obviously the the legal status of this situation is he was in the wrong and, uh, you know, she wasn't old enough to give consent, but there is, like, this sort of, like, tying into tropes of romance and love happening. It's like, okay, we're being asked to, like, look over the legal stuff to this, like, primal feelings. But and... then also it reinforces the legal stuff in... in bits of the movie too yeah. like um yeah see this is why I want, this is so good why I talk to you because when I was watching it with my wife last night she didn't care for the movie either but she did state that it stuck with her she was thinking about it a lot unfortunately for me it didn't stick with me like I know I just watched it last night but like as soon as the movie was over and I said like my two sentences of thought about it mm-hmm. I never thought about it again until having to sit down and talk to you about it I didn't even think what was what did Barta get out of this so I was like oh you'll tell me tomorrow like I never yeah so hearing it from you it's making me kind of gestate on the movie a little bit more than my initial viewing of it and that's no I have that with this show sometimes too yeah it's good it's yeah it's just yeah it's very interesting so I liked that too. Yeah, this is the kind of thing I liked. I liked this kind of uh, this. It's a very sensitive topic, and it is handling it in a very abstract way at points in the filmmaking. But just in terms of how they're talking to each other and their relationship and their dynamic is very unconventional. But it isn't um, manipulative in any kind of way. It isn't kind of ham-fisted. It's very raw and it's very uncomfortable to be approached with hey can you feel like this what was this romantic like in this situation is there such thing as a actual romance in what was a a predator prey relationship is there such a thing as romance and the movie kind of questions that because i think for una she comes into this situation i think she's still had feelings for him when she first entered this situation like I think she was thinking she was going to go gung-ho and come at him and whatnot but I think in their conversations you're kind of learning that she still has these resigned feelings of affection for this guy which is very uncomfortable to be put in your face as an audience yeah and because this has been a few years since that first viewing of it I seem to remember that being like a really big thing like as the thing goes on you know at first it's you know, you are my abuser, and then there's a turning point where you realise, oh, she's actually, like, in love with him and, like, trying to sort of, like, I guess, ruin his life or get in it. Yeah, trying to... She's not sure what she's doing, really. She's just following through, like he did back in the day, on pure primal feelings and emotions to a dire extent. Yeah. 
In fact, yeah, one of the big things that you learn about her is, like, the thing that really struck her about the whole situation was that she never really got to see him again. Yeah, which is fucked up. Yeah. Yeah, and... um, Yeah, I liked all that. I think... These are the things I like. I like the the, the, the ideas. Mm-hmm. For me, what kept me from liking this to the point in which I say I don't like it is the execution. I think I did not care... Okay, so... One, it feels like it's a play. Yeah. Which it, is fine, because... You really get intimate with that like little office. I would... But here's the thing. I wish it felt like a play more. Mm. And by what I mean is, I noticed the bits that felt like they made it on purpose to be a movie. I don't know the play. I haven't watched it. I haven't seen it. I haven't read anything of the play. I don't know the play. But what I can gather from watching so, Sorry this... to interrupt, this is a play? Yes. Oh, I did is... not know that at all. This is based on a play called Black Canary. Okay, I did not know this. So Una's based on this play. Don't know anything about the play other than just it's the same premise. I don't know how it's executed. But from my understanding of just watching the film, I can 100% guarantee you that the play does not have all these other characters in it. Mm. I don't think you're going to have her mum in the play. Yeah. Her mum was a perfunctory character that I found annoying. Like, she turns up, like, two or three times, but it's, like, they're there to remind you. Like yeah, She's at the beginning, then randomly, like, and beginning I, third act. I, I almost can guarantee you that those flashbacks aren't in the play. I think it's just all talking. Mm. The, the younger flashbacks, I don't think those are in the play. I'm just imagining. I don't think... I think, to me, the play is just them sitting in that one room talking. Yeah, just following them during that present-day time. And I think, to me, I would have preferred... If it was just them talking the whole film. I actually think this is one of those few times in which the visual language of the film got in the way. I got annoyed every time it cut away to a flashback or to everyone calling out for him in the warehouse. I didn't care about those characters. In fact, the problem is they focused weirdly on those characters, those external characters, to the point in which I go, what? do they want from him? Like, we don't fully understand what's happening. Like, he has to fire people or something or other. There's, like, some sort of merger and they have to lay people off. But it's so inconsequential and it feels like they're added there so that they can have a reason to have different locations. So Ben Mendelsohn and her can talk in a toilet or Ben Mendelsohn and her can talk in this other room so it doesn't feel stagnant. Yeah, I feel like one of the... One of the, like, big moments early on would have also been, like, hey, where's Ray? And it's like, Ray, who's Ray? Like, yeah. that was something, but, you know, that's over very quickly. I I just feel like a lot of it feels like they have to make an excuse for this to be a film. To use the visual language of film. And, like, they, this is a first-time filmmaker. They've, they've done stage shows. And it felt like, you know they needed an excuse to have these characters move around and be in different locations. Yeah. And it interrupted the flow. I just wanted them to sit down and talk. And every time they sat down and talked, it was great. And then they would interrupt the scene with, Peter, Peter, where are you? I'm Riz Ahmed. I'm in the film. Or cut to a flashback, cut to a flashback, cut to mum phoning her. Like, I didn't care for any of those things. And the flashback stuff, as great as the actress was who played the younger version of her, her scenes got interrupted too to cut back to the present. So it felt like I never got enough of the present and the past to necessitate having both. Maybe if you had the past in just like one sitting or something. I think also a part of it is 
we really didn't need Riz Ahmed and his crew of people looking for Peter. I get why they're there. Like I said, it's to necessitate them moving around. And there's also a sense of urgency. Like, she's interrupted his real, like, his current day life. And now all this chaos is happening. But if you cut all that and just focus more on the past and more on the present, I feel like I would have had a better thing going on. I yeah. think a part of it is I like all these ideas that are being explored. But as much as I love Ben Mendelsohn as an actor, and as much as I want to love Rooney Mara as an actor, I, I genuinely can't tell you if he gave this great performance because every single time it got on the cusp of me appreciating the acting, the scene would cut. And the rhythm would be thrown off. I felt like I never got into the rhythm of a scene. And every time I was almost in one, they would do something to end it or cut away or detract. And I just never got into the, the performances. And with a film like this, it's about the performances. You need to get into these characters' performances because these are two unlikable people. Yeah. They've suffered from traumatic things, one doing it to another and then the other doing it to them now. It's very hard. But you need to get into the characters, both of them, or at least one of them. And I never did, because the presentation, the execution of this film, felt like it necessitated it being a, a, a film. It felt like it needed to be a film instead of just a film version of a stage play. Mm. And here's the thing. If this was a more experienced filmmaker, they could have shot it in the one room. And they could have implemented the flashbacks to accommodate what was happening now. But they're not an accomplished filmmaker. This is their first time. And it kind of shows. I would have been happy with them in just that one dining room area or whatever. Yeah, the, like the break room. The break room. I would have been happy with that. There was so much space there. There was so much stuff that they did in there that every time they left there, I was like, why did you leave there? Because they just go back there. Yeah, they like stop hiding and just like, oh, let's finish up the stuff here. And do the awkward, let's throw the trash around and dance sequence, but it felt very out of place. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. It felt very... Uh... This is just me. Like, I'm looking at this and I'm going, this is a very tough subject matter with very tough characters. These are very rigidly stern characters that are very tough to emotionally latch onto because of the subject matter and because of where they're approaching it. And as great as the performances were, I feel like... I couldn't see how great they were, they were because of the, the yeah. compromised because of the filmmaking. This isn't Twelve Angry Men. Twelve Angry Men is a stage show. It's a it's a it's a script that's in one room primarily. And that movie and the movie adaptations that have of that, they knew how to shot shoot it in one room with these characters. They knew how to do it. Locke with Tom Hardy is just him in a car for ninety minutes. Nothing else. That movie knew how to keep you interested. This one, the subject matter is so interesting. But to me, it never feels like it got above that. The pitch of what happens when a victim confronts her abuser these years later. It felt like to me, it never reached above just that interest, that initial interest of what the pitch is. Mm. It's like they talk, but what's the resolution after that? Yeah, it's also one of those movies that just, like, to me, I don't know what the resolution is. Like, they confronted each other, and then they split off, and 
cut to black. Like, oh, emotional shot of the little girl on the bed looking at the camera, cut to black. Like, I knew it was going to be one of those movies from the very beginning that's like, oh, it's just going to be one of those that just cut to black. Yeah, it just ends. Which is fine. I've, I like those kind of movies. I mentioned those on the show before, but... No, for sure, yeah, but... It was one of those where, like, immediately I knew oh, it was going to be one of these where there's not going to be a majorly satisfying resolution because... I mean, there doesn't have to be because it's a, such an emotionally grey, ambiguous film like we've talked about, the story, the idea, but it felt like such a stage show as well. Like, But not enough, not yeah, you enough. Te- you telling me that this is based on a play just like puts everything into perspective. Because, yeah, when I was watching the film and like this whole business stuff and like, oh, ra- Peter's running around, I was thinking to myself, I've seen this film before. What was the resolution to all this Nothing. And it just ended up, uh, yeah, because I was thinking, like, doesn't he go to, like, a party at the end of the film? Which his workmates are there for. Yeah. So wouldn't they just confront him there? Yeah, it's it's very odd. Oh, it doesn't matter, because what matters is is her being at the party. That's what matters. And it's just like, okay, fine. Like, I don't know the stage show, but I, I don't think the party's there. I or at least I don't think the wife's if she is I don't know like there's bits of the movie where I just go I don't think that would be in the stage show I think this is added for the film mm. and if I'm thinking about that that means the film isn't working for me mm. if I'm thinking about like what's been added to the to add to this film existing then it means that I'm not engaged in the narrative or the characters and I wanted to be Bartek I wanted to be because you've talked about this movie and I know Ben Mendelsohn and, you know, I was just like, and this pitch is like, fuck, Ben Mendelsohn alone would carry this movie. Like, he will really add some nuances to the character. I don't know, he did as a performer, but like I said, it just keeps cutting away to shit that I'm not interested in. Or angsty shit, like, or even when they're in scenes together. Mm-hmm. It will cut the conversation short because Rooney Mara needs to lean against a, <laughs> a glass wall so that you can see the reflection of her and like, ooh, that's a moody shot. There were so many times in the break room they would stop talking so that Rooney Mara can look at her reflection on the glass walls that they had in there. Mm. And I just looked at it and went, okay, okay, yeah, you did a film, like, you know, arty student, like art student, film student, kind of like, yeah, we get it. How are you going to do that in the play? How are you going to do that in the play? Without a mirror. Without a mirror. Yeah, it was a little full of itself for mm. me as well. Like, there was some lines of dialogue that felt very stage play. Yeah, there were some moments where it was like, okay, what mode is Rooney Mara going to react to what Ben Mendelsohn's saying now in? Is it going to be, like, you know... Uh, I'm an abuser or I still have feelings for you kind of thing. And we said this before, but the fact that they don't ever say the word that we remember at least, pedophile or pedophilia, it, like, technically you you don't have to say it, but it felt very odd that they didn't say it. Like, I felt like if you're going to on purposely not say it, there must be a very good reason and I never felt that there was. And this is just a very specific point to make. But I don't mm. know. It never felt like there was a thing there. that yeah, there made wasn't. Because so she was very open about everything. And so it never felt like 
there was that thing of it's such a traumatic event that she's withholding that yeah, one it's, word. It's not like it's not, it's not like there's like a subtext of pedophilia. It's like very open. It's just they're not saying it. Yes, it's like when we did our episode of Twin Peaks, uh, the Fire Walk with Me. Mm-hmm. There was subtext there of incestual pedophilia. They never said the words, but they did say words, but they didn't say those exact words because there was enough imagery and emotional subtext that we understood. I mentioned in that episode, like, how much this the imagery of the ceiling fan and how that played into the sexual assault aspect and they didn't say it outright. That worked. In this movie, it's all about that. It's all about that. And they don't say it. And it feels like, why? Why aren't you saying it? Which, again, you argue, you don't have to say it. And that's true, you don't have to say it. But it just feels like a writer... I'm going to use all these euphemisms for it. I'm going to say (laughs) these other things and not actually say it. And to me, it just feels like, why aren't you? It just feels like you're like weirdly avoiding it, even though this is what it's about. Well, Ryan, they didn't use it in the play. Maybe. I don't know. It's, it's an odd little film. I, yeah, I just didn't like it. It just didn't, like, stick with me emotionally. I think that's the thing. This is an emotional story. Mm. And I didn't feel any of the emotions. I didn't feel, like... We talked about this interesting, like, ooh, did they love each other? Or this romantic thing? Or, like, is he actually a pedophile, like a, a serial predator? Because at the end, we get introduced to this idea that maybe he's doing it to another young girl of a similar age. And a similar look to what she was. Mm. And he's being a father figure to that girl. And it introduces this idea and it's very uncomfortable. Like, And he's very much like, no, I'm not doing that. I'd never do that. And we've already been introduced to the fact that he's openly lied in the movie already by saying that he's told the wife about his past. Yeah. When he hasn't. So it's like introducing this idea of, oh, he is. He is, at least to me. I don't know if that was something you thought about. But at the end, I, I just walked away with it going, yeah. Yeah, he's a serial predator. Like, if he hasn't acted on it again, he will. I didn't question it. When he's doing the face touching to Rooney Mara, and he's he's like, you were the only one. It felt very much to me as no. Yeah, I remember when I when I initially watched it, I was leaning no, but and like I went into this film thinking like, oh yeah, they really lean no, but there there were a lot of little moments of like, well, if no, then what does this mean? What does this mean? I think he is a predator. I think he is. I think she's not the only one. And if she is, she won't be. I don't doubt that in my mind. I think the movie would like you to. But to me, I just don't. I didn't question it. I was like, yep, that seems right. Like, he's lied this many th- He's lied about these certain things already. He's changed his name. Like, all these things. Like, he's a shady, shady guy. And he's got this dynamic. And then, obviously, when they do almost have sex Rooney Mara and Ben Mendelsohn there's the big emotional gut punch of the movie it's supposed to be of she's like am I too old for you can I just say at that point when I was watching the film and I was at that scene my brother was at the other side of the house and he was like on the phone with someone but simultaneously like watching (laughs) videos at the same time as them and like they were very hyped up about these videos so immediately after she said am I too old for you he just happened to shout out yeah (sighs) and that was a that was a moment that kind of took me out of the film it was funny for me that am I too old for you moment 
there's a mixture of things about it that just didn't work for me. Mm. One, it felt to me, and I understood, I, uh, this is the thing, I understand why. I understand why, but it felt like I didn't buy, sorry, I didn't buy her wanting to have sex with him. Mm. It felt like, oh, we have to get to that point. Like, this is shocking. This is, like, obviously where we're going. But that moment, I didn't feel like they had conversed enough. They made a connection enough. And then him immediately being like, yeah, I'm down for this. I didn't buy it. I understood the road was taken to go there, but I just didn't get on that road, evidently. uh, Because I wasn't emotionally invested enough. And even then, like, it ends because he wasn't into it, so... Because she's too old. And the line, am I, is it because I'm too old, it feels... On the nose. On the nose. Yeah. It's on the nose. There was a lot of on the nose stuff. Like, for instance, there was this one scene where Ben Mendelsohn's walking with his uh, boss guy in the hallway, and the boss is talking about boss stuff, like, you do this and you'll get blah, blah, blah. And and Ben Mendelsohn's looking very traumatized because he's just left talking to her for the first time. And he's like, are you okay? And he's like... Yeah, and then it cuts to, like, some flashback scene that really highlights what he's feeling right now. And I was just like, we don't need that. You just have Ben Mendelsohn act. Yeah, We know. We can just feel it from what he's feeling, from his face, from his body language. Yeah, you don't, but you, you don't just walk, cut to a flashback. Yeah, you don't walk away from that and, like, in one minute you're feeling, you know, calm. <laughs> Unless you're a sociopath. And then that could be interesting, but he's not. Yeah. It's shit like that that just makes me go, come on, dude, I get it. Let me feel it. But the film didn't want me to feel it, and if it did, it wouldn't be really ham-fisted. Poor Riz Ahmed, huh? Mm. He got jack shit to do in this movie, huh? He got to nearly have sex, like full-on sex to completion with Rooney Mara. Then she got all traumatized because of flashback. <laughs> or, or she was lying and it was all a ploy. It was all a ploy. Yeah, I don't know. It was very convenient that he had clothes for her that fit in her size. <laughs> that is true, yeah. It was very convenient. Did he say he had like a girlfriend or A girlfriend or until ex-girlfriend? a week ago. Yeah, that's right. That's right. As if. <laughs> she picked the right person. Yeah, I don't know. It just felt hollow to me and I feel bad because this is dealing with a very emotional subject and we talk about all these ambiguities and grayness of like predator prey relationship and did he love her did he not is he actually a predator is she in it for these reasons and as that as interesting as all those things are they're just interesting notions but I don't think the film really hashed them out in a way that I find very thought-provoking or satisfying Hmm. which is a bummer I was really looking forward to this. And I was like, oh man, Bartek suggested one that he knows that I'm really interested in because I like my boy Ben and the interesting idea of it. But for me, it just didn't click. Well, that's fair enough. I still still like it, but definitely everything we've talked about would have made it a lot better. Mm. There were a lot of things that I was looking at that was like, do we need this? Yeah. Yeah, do we need this? Um, What else do you want to talk about with this film? Because for me, like I said, I, I... I really didn't have that many positives other other than my own attachments to the idea of the material and Ben Mendelsohn as a performer. Those are the kind of positives I really do have. Like, Riz Ahmed, I love that guy. 
I didn't think he was that great in this movie. I mean, he didn't have anything to work with. Yeah, but he was also still weirdly forced into it. Mm. Like, she, he's the first person that interacts with her at the place. You cut back to him every now and then, and he checks in on them. He's one of the people that's been forced to look for him through a lie. Yeah, which was very contrived. Which is, like, a, a motive that a character has that we don't focus on. Yeah, he's not a character. Yeah. yeah. B- boss man. Boss guy who's like, oh, you... Oh. How long were they looking for him, too? So, like, this is the thing I ask myself. So, that meeting, she came there at the start of the day, or, like, morning time. Like, he says you started at 6.30. Yeah, she had Let's to drive there. Let's say she there. got there around 11. Yeah, I'd say Let's that's Let's be fair. generous. Yeah. She's talking to Ben uh, in the lunchroom, let's say, for two hours. So it's like one o'clock now. Mm. Lunch, I guess, didn't happen. I don't know. Oh, they were having they were having lunch at one point, and she was... Well, she, no, she was waiting for him to come back. Back. She ended and up... She, yeah. And, and, and that's when Riz Ahmed came in. So he's in this meeting for around, let's say, lunchtime. And then the meeting happens. And then he's hiding. And then they close up. They were literally calling out for him what must have been three to four hours. Wouldn't there just come a point after half an hour you'd just stop? It's like, has he left? I mean, they could have checked for his car, but yeah, that does feel weird. Like, how what, how much how much would you devote to that? Yeah, right? Yeah. It's very odd. Very odd. Anything else you want to talk about with this? Because I know you you had more more history and experience and attachment to this than, than myself, and I've just been railing against this. But I want to know if there's anything more you want to discuss, because unfortunately I just don't have enough positives in it to discuss. Oh, we've pretty much covered most of it. I did, like, whenever I've thought of the film, just my mind always goes to that break room, just like this really mm. memorable area that we become very... Not too much variant to it with, but we do remember it pretty well. And it takes a while to get there, and after you leave there, it's like, oh, this film really kind of feels like a different thing without this, this setting that we've gone to. Oh, you don't like the toilets to. set? The toilet stalls? Well, well, I mean, I think the, the, whole, the whole factory area does have a sort of element to that. It's like, oh, this does feel like one big facility with all these places you could have scenes, but the break room... Was I guess yeah the most familiar one. Oh, you didn't care for Riz Ahmed's apartment. <laughs> yeah, that was that was a very brief <laughs> part of the film. <laughs> you didn't care for Ben Mendelsohn's mansion. How he lived at, where his wife. Oh yeah, yeah. You see the driveway at the end. Something I don't know. Yeah, it was very weird. The house, the house that um that Rooney Mara grew up in, that was also something that I remembered, like the outdoor view of. Yeah, can we do... Okay, so, you just reminded me. The film does us no favours when we meet Rooney Mara as an adult because she's, like, in a club. Oh, yeah! And she gets, like... It was, like, techno music Fucked aggressively against, like, a glass wall. And I'm just, like, a mirrored wall in a club. And then she goes back home and she showers. And it's like, okay, so we're getting introduced to this idea that she lives kind of like this detached life where she just fills in the void of physical attachment with just random dudes. Yeah. But it's like not like it's not like that ev- is ever explored. Yeah, it's, it's just like tying this idea of like, oh, sexually abused, like one of the symptoms is like sexual promiscuity or something. And but it just felt like, okay... I completely forgot about that. It's because it was just there. Yeah. Like, <laughs> that's what I mean. It's just like shit like that where I go, well, okay, like, is this serving to anything? No, not really. I think this film could have just really been two people talking in a room and it would have been fine. Like, no, for sure. I think it's all these extra bits that are like, 
weird parts that you've put in a stew. Like, mmm, I'm enjoying this chicken stew. Yum, yum. My marshmallow? When did you put that in there? I don't know. Okay. I like marshmallows. But, yeah. Why is it in my chicken stew? Like, <laughs> num, num, num. What's a Skittle? Come on, Bartek. What well, are you doing? Well, it's yellow. Yeah, exactly. And, mm, mm, um, Rooney Mara with a nipple ring in one scene, but none of the others. Okay, whatever. Like, these are the things that I notice. And then the trivia likes to point out, she has a nipple ring, and it's actually her nipple ring, because she was the girl with the dragon tattoo. I'm like, <laughs> yeah, but why did she only have it in that one scene? <laughs> My brain is so annoyed because it's like, by the logic of the movie, this is all in the one day. So when did she take it out? These are things I question in my brain. Well, do you think the techno club fucking was what one day as well? No, 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 no. It's what she comes home for the techno club fucking in the morning and she has a shower. Hmm. And then she gets ready and goes out to see Ben Mendelsohn. This is like one continuous motion. Hmm. Yeah. The nightclub in the night and then it transitions to the morning and she's having a shower after that. She's got nipple ring in the shower and then she gets ready and goes and goes to be Ben Mendelsohn. And then when she gets naked later in the movie, no nipple ring. These are the things I'm noticing instead of characters. Yeah. I mean, except for Riz. I mean, I noticed Riz Ahmed straight away. I'm like, hey, it's that guy from Four Lions. Great. And uh, of course, Nightcrawler. It's always weird oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. to think of him as a British actor because I think of him in Nightcrawler as, as uh, Rick, was it? I'm pretty sure he was Rick. Uh, Something uh, like that, yeah. Think of Rick. And he gives a little thumbs up. <laughs> Love that guy. Um, very yeah. interesting dude. Yeah, I don't think of him as British either. And then this film's like, no, he is. And Four Lions, he's, yeah. Uh, British-made film, but... Have I seen... Is Four Lions the one with the terrorists? Suicide Bombers, yeah. I have seen that at some very point. Very good film. Uh, I think that's it. Is Una done? I think so. Yeah. I think we covered all the main points of the evening, at least. Yeah, I think that's... I think that's it. I'm just thinking, is there any questions that you have about the f- that the film brought up that you want to ask or explore or talk about? I'm just like, it feels weird to just be like, this movie, I didn't like it. And you're like, I thought it was all right, but that was it. I think it, it, was, it was good, but definitely there were a lot of things that could have made it better. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Oh well, that's we both we both have our opinions. We both have our different like interpretations. Interpretation. That film can get that out of you, listening people. It can get something out of you. There is there is potential here. There is potential. Um, that's the thing. It, it definitely is a film that has potential, but whether it lives up to it or not is up to you. Yeah. So Bartek, that's our discussion on Una. Mm-hmm. Uno numero. <laughs> <laughs> This uh, is our April Fool's episode. We actually loved it. Fuck you. Um, so it's my choice, isn't it? Isn't it? Is it my choice for next episode? Yeah, you're after me. Cool. I'm just making sure. In the alphabet. Oh, cool, cool. But listening people is between, so that doesn't work. So I'm choosing a film that has been briefly discussed in a previous episode of the show. Mm-hmm. We, in fact, have done a film made by this filmmaker on the show. And pictures power well? Yes. Ooh, yum. We are doing Unbreakable by M. Night Shyamalan. Oh, this is one of those films that you're like, you haven't seen this? Yes, it was one of those ones where it's like, uh, we talked about what M. Night films we've seen, and we have both collectively seen pretty much most, if not all, of his films. And you were like, but I haven't seen Unbreakable. I'm like, you fucking what? And when I was explaining Unbreakable, you were like, wait, what? And I'm like, I can't talk about it. We'll do it on the phone. I've already forgotten what it's about, so there we go. Well, it was more that you were confused that there's uh, that 
uh, that split and glass uh, part of a trilogy with Unbreakable, and I'm like, yep, it's a thing. It's a thing. Yeah, there was something like that. Characters all culminate and live in the same universe. One of those things. But we'll be doing the film Unbreakable by M. Night Shyamalan, starring Bruce Willis and Sam Jackson. I know them. Sam Jackson uh, with an interesting haircut. Uh, he, has, he has hair? <laughs> yes. Sometimes he does. Um, on his lips. On his lips and on his hips. And his chin. <laughs> uh, sometimes. So we'll be doing that next episode. Bartek, the listening people can find us on what social media platforms? You can find us on uh, YouTube. You can find us on Twitter, Spit Polish Pre. You can find us on Facebook. You can just type Spit and Polish Presents into Google and it'll show us, you know, show the little icon and various places you can see us. And we post some fun things on there, don't we? We do, we do, we do. Uh, We upload primarily to Podbean and that gets distributed to all sorts of different places like Apple Podcasts. Whatever you're listening to Google now. Play. Who knows? Wherever you're listening to this. If you're at a friend's house, go to your friend's house. Spotify. Spotify, I believe. Yeah, and you can rate us and review us on whatever podcatcher allows it. It's greatly appreciated um, and stuff like that. Yeah, we, we, you know, we're just chugging along. You have an email, spitandpolished at gmail.com. You can Email us through with your queries, your own points of view on films that we've discussed, uh, suggestions for movies. As I mentioned at the start of the episode, we do listening people's suggestions. Yep. So. All the ones that we find, we put on the list. Yep. We, we promise. We haven't missed any. We haven't missed a singular one. They're all there. We haven't missed a singular one that we've seen, at least. Yes. If, so, if you go to your, you know, the corner of the internet on some obscure forum, and it's like, I want Spin Polish to do this, we might have missed that one. Yeah, we might have missed your MySpace page uh, <laughs> that said, could you please do a picture's power? Or, or, you, or you, know, you know how every like forum that's specifically for a specific topic, there's always this one section that it's like, general topics that have nothing to do with this specific yeah. topic. So we have that... And, yep, so Unbreakable, so make sure, listening people, to check that movie out. Bartek is obviously going to be checking it out for the first time. This mm-hmm. will be my mini rewatch of it. It will be a Your fun... Your mini re Mini rewatch of it. Uh, it will be a fun, interesting discussion, hopefully. So, uh, Bartek, any parting words of wisdom you want to leave? Uh, I suppose the only thing and this is like more a housekeeping thing, is that from next episode onwards, there might be a sort of tonal shift in our dynamic because we might <laughs> yeah. be re- we might for the first time ever be recording in different uh, parts yes. of the city. Due to everything going on, we will most likely be doing remote recordings. Why we haven't done it now is Australia is very slow to catch up. Yeah, uh, literally, literally. I think the day after our last episode, we were talking about, like, oh, we don't know when the lockdown's happening, but we should prepare for it. And then, like, two days later, it's like, oh, shit, I should have grabbed a microphone. Two days later, it's more like, we're thinking of doing lockdown three days later. We might do a lockdown four days later. I think we're doing a lockdown five days later. Lockdown. Like, it's really been think, like that. It's, you know, I it's think really maybe, fucking slow. I think if you minus one from all those, I think that's actually pretty accurate. It's pretty accurate. Uh, uh, yeah, so things will be changing up with that. Um if we can get it working we, at all. <laughs> we may be doing different things for the monthly show because the mystery box oh, can't shit, continue yeah. on. So we'll be figuring stuff out with that. But yeah. 
do check out our monthly show. We've been having fun. We did an episode on a film called Deception, and uh, that's been gaining some traction. People have been saying things about it. Maybe you can join the conversation about how I fucked up and didn't mention that Hugh Jackman got Oscar nominated for Les Mis. So, until next time, listening people, remember, please, please remember to be kind to each other, wash your hands, and that Hugh Jackman has been an Oscar-nominated actor. Yes.